Good morning. My name is Chuck Howell, and I'm one of the volunteer staff members here at Adventure. And what a powerful name it is, and what a powerful worship service that was. Thank you. Uh, I would, I, this is impromptu, but I just wanted to say that Lauren and Michelle are one of the ministries that we uh, support in our local community. They run City of Refuge down in Oak Park where they're uh, attempting to get girls out of the sex trade and they're working with schools and doing a whole lot of stuff that I don't even know about. But it's a wonderful ministry and we help support them through your gifts. All right, thank you again. Oh, by the way, it's their 11th anniversary yesterday. (laughs) And I also had the privilege of introducing our speaker today who most of you know, uh, but he's also headed out to the mission field with his family and we are also supporting them through the gifts and ties that you give to us. And it's wonderful to have him here. So I just want to introduce again DJ West. Good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys all have your coffee this morning? Because I did. And I'm feeling good. Uh, no, it's just uh, I love the Dipmores, and uh, I just love when they do worship. Oh, man. Um, so we're going through the book of John. You guys loving the book of John? Uh, no, it's a, I love uh, the book of John. It's just got so many, so many nuggets in it that we can pull and we can, we can learn from. But we're on to John 17 today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and just mark it, and then I will, um, I will read it up on the screen. But I want to give you some context to John 17, because John 17, uh, we're getting into kind of the end of Jesus' life. This is right before uh, Jesus is about to be arrested, and John 17 literally is just Jesus praying. He's about to be, and he is praying to the Father, and uh, we see Jesus about to be tortured, and he knows he's about to be tortured because in John 17, 1, it says, Father, the hour has come. His time is up. It's ready to go down, and it's on like Donkey Kong, basically, is what Jesus is saying. The hour has come, and he is about to be tortured, and his response to being arrested and tried and tortured and hung on a cross was he prayed for his disciples and he prayed for us. That's crazy to think about because I I thank God every day that I'm not Jesus, because if I was about to be tortured and I was about to be crucified, the very last thing on my mind would be to pray for you. I'm sorry, but I just... I got other things going on my plate. I just, I don't need to pray for other people. But that's the goodness of Jesus in the middle of him going through it. And he knows he's about to go through it and and, and die the worst death that's ever been died. He is praying and lifting us up in prayer. That's how good Jesus is. As he is about, about to receive pain, we receive prayer. So John 17 starting at 13. I'll read it for you, and it'll be up on the screen. Jesus is praying, I am coming to you now, talking to the Father, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I love how Jesus is talking about joy as he's about to die. That's amazing. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Basically, Jesus is saying, do not remove them from this broken world, but toughen them and get them ready for battle because they have things to do here on this earth. I love that. They are not of the world 
even as I am not of it. Hashtag N-O-T-W right there. You guys remember N-O-T-W? Anybody wore the bracelets? Still do wear the bracelets? We'll talk after church. <laughs> Sanctify them by your truth, Jesus says. Your word is truth. Look at somebody and say truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Look at somebody and say sent. It's okay to wake up today. Come on, we got to get excited about the word, okay? Uh, for them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus continues in verse 20. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I, uh, you are in me and I am in you. Jesus prayed for you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. There's a lot of connections here, so that they may be brought to complete unity. I love that, complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Let's pray one more time this morning. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross. Thank you for your love, your power that you have given us, your Holy Spirit. God, I pray today that you would speak through me today and that your words would just penetrate our hearts, God, and that we would be, uh, we would be built up in this place today. And everything that we do, we would glorify the name of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a bad day spiritually? Like, can we be honest today? Like, have you ever just woken up, looked in the mirror and said, man, I don't want to do this anymore? Like, <laughs> got a couple head nods. Like, yeah, that happened to me this week. I'm not going to lie. I, I knew I was supposed to preach, but like sometimes you just wake up and you're like, man, this Christian life, this thing is hard. This thing, I just, I, sometimes I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all together. Like, you know, maybe you got in a fight with your kids or your wife, whatever it is. Not you, babe. I love you. Uh, but like, you know, you just wake up and you just have one of those days. I, I'm believing that, that today we're going to talk about living a complete and full life in Jesus. And hopefully today we'll encourage you, if you've ever felt incomplete in your walk or incomplete in your faith, I hope that today will push you to live to your absolute fullest and your most complete life. And so how do we do that? Number one, we recognize his word. Understanding there is one big truth. One big truth. Jesus said this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now there is a relationship between initial deliverance and ongoing discipleship. But check this out. Just because you started a relationship with Jesus doesn't mean it's complete yet. Just because you started walking with the Lord doesn't give us the right started initially and we can't ability to become complacent in our walk and we can stop doing the things that we started initially and we can't just stop where we are today. I want to encourage you to keep going with Jesus. Your walk is not done until you meet him in heaven. Your walk is not done and we want to continue to push and be better. Jesus wants you to be complete in your Christianity. Now, Christianity is not a New Year's resolution. Can I say that? Is that okay? I, I don't know if I've ever in my entire life kept a single New Year's resolution. 
Anybody like that? Like, if, if you're here, and how many of you have ever kept all of your New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Because if that's you, I want, I want you to pray for me. Every year I say that I'm going to lose weight. Look at me. Come on. I'm, I can't keep New Year's resolutions. And that's the good thing about God is that our Christianity is not a New Year's resolution. Our Christianity, our faith, is not a promise that we make to ourselves to make ourselves feel better about what we are doing in this life. Our faith is an everlasting covenant with our Heavenly Father written and spelled out for us in the truth of God's Word, the Bible. God's Word is truth. So if you want to know how to be completely changed by God's truth, I'm going to give you three little, three little points here. One is, is see the lies. Recognize the world. Understand that we live in a fallen world. The world is not perfect, and everything that you see is not all glitter and gold and unicorns, okay? The, the, this is the, the world is our, our default state of our human selfishness. We need to recognize all of the lies. If, if you don't recognize lies, I just want to encourage you, turn on the TV as you're watching football today and rooting for the Packers. Sorry, Dad. My man right, right behind you. I got you. Aaron Rodgers, baby, I'm telling you. Uh, but turn on the TV and watch. Just, uh, just pay attention to a beer commercial, Okay? And notice all of the lies that are embedded in a beer commercial. Because I don't know of anybody that's ever cracked open a beer and then all of a sudden beautiful people with like, with their like bodies are all oiled up and they're all fit and they're all happy and they're just walking around on the beach. When has that ever happened? That doesn't happen. That's a lie. Beer commercials are lying to you. And almost every other commercial, by the way. If you put on makeup, it doesn't make you Kim Kardashian. I'm sorry. I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm just saying there are lies all around us. So we need to see and recognize the world that we're in. And we need to recognize the lies uh, maybe that, you, that we tell ourselves. A, maybe it's a selfishness lie. The way um, my way, the way I do things, it makes me happy. That's a lie that we tell ourselves. Maybe it's a sexual lie or your desires making you feel a false sense of security and making you uh, happy. Maybe it's a significance lie. Maybe you're lying to yourself and telling yourself that your life doesn't matter. These are all lies that we tell ourselves, but I'm encouraging you to recognize. We need to start recognizing the lies and being aware of the world that we live in because Jesus said he doesn't want us to come out of the world. He wants us to stay right where we are, but we need to recognize what we're surrounded by. Number two, we need to separate from old habits, sanctify. We need to defeat and delete old habits patterns. Maybe you're here today, you've been struggling with something that you've been struggling with for the last 20 years. I want to encourage you today, you can defeat and delete those old patterns. Separate yourself away from old habits. Maybe it's a friend or a, a, a co-worker or somebody that, you're, that constantly pulls you into that old habit. Get out of that old habit today. And number three, study the Bible. So we see the lies, we separate from old habits, and we study the Bible. God's word, we need to learn to live out the Bible. The Bible says don't just merely hear the word, but be doers of the word. We need to live this thing out. See, we all, in some way, shape, or form, submit ourselves to some type of authority here on this earth. Maybe it's a, so I want to ask the question, what social or what, what authority are you under? Are you under social authority? Are you following the trend? What's what your social authority does? It, it, let's just look at men's hairstyles. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read them because I <laughs> maybe you got you got your you got your crew cut, got your long hair. Don't care. 
Got your hippie, your natural, new wave, flock of seagulls if you're from the 80s. Anybody ever seen the flock of seagulls? Your hair goes down on the side and up like, or in the front and up like this, like Ace Ventura. It's the craziest thing. Maybe you're rocking a mullet, a man bun, high and tight, whatever it is, right? Maybe you're balding, right? There's nothing you can do about that. We'll pray for you. But what do all of these hairstyles have in common? They all look stupid 10 years down the road. I looked at a picture of myself five years ago. I had a man bun. That's a true story. God is good. He can redeem, he can redeem our past. And if you have a man bun today, I don't want to judge you. Just cut it, okay? Um, but we follow the, the social authorities. A lot of us come under what society says is in, what society says is cool at the time. And then we realize after a, a while, we realize that that trend is no longer popular and then we have to change it because we come under that authority and then we have to change it and submit to the next popular thing that's happening. Or maybe you're under your self-authority where you say, I will follow my preferences. I do what I want and nobody can tell me otherwise. See, this is a, a very, very popular authority for everybody to, be, to come under nowadays. Everybody says, I could do what I want with my body. I could pierce this, tattoo that, change this, change that. Nobody can tell me otherwise. And this is the world that we live in. We hear the world preaching to us about you go under your own authority and you don't have to do or say or follow anything that anybody tells you. There is no God. This is what the world tells us. You follow your, yourself and your heart and your own mind. Are you un- I will do what he says. I will do what he asks of me. Are you saying, I follow the Bible even though often the Bible offends me? Let's be completely honest. The Bible offends me almost all the time, okay? The Bible, if we can be completely politically incorrect, can we? Is that okay? It's not a safe space, okay? It's not like, a, a, we're not, we're not going to give you teddy bears and things like that, but l- listen, the Bible offends us, but it's for a purpose. The Bible offends me, and it tells me who I must love, which is everyone, who I can sleep with, only my wife, and what the cost is of rejecting God, which is eternity, and many other things that I just don't want to hear. Let's be honest. I don't want to love anybody. I want to sleep with everybody, and I want to reject God. That's my sin nature. If we could be completely honest, that's the fallen world that we live in, but the Bible is here to tell us that the truth and the authority of Scripture is here to offend us in a good way. I believe that we need to be offended in a good way. Listen to this. Beware of truth that never offends your preferences. That is no truth at all, but something you have made up to be truth. Beware of truth that is convenient and easy to follow. That is a truth that others have made up for you to keep you from becoming all you were meant to be in Jesus. Beware of truth that doesn't offend your preferences. Beware of truth that is easy to follow. And I'm telling you today, is the Bible easy to listen to? Absolutely not, because we live in a fallen world. Is it worth listening to? Absolutely, because God has the best intentions for us. You with me today? Jesus' goal for us is becoming fully free. John 8, 32 says, then you will know the truth, the word, Jesus, and the truth will what? Set you free free. God wants us to get into the truth of the word, the truth of scripture. I want to encourage you today. What what do we say? Spend the first 15 minutes every day with Jesus. Get into the word. Turn on worship music. Spend time with God, developing the relationship that you have with him. 
It's not over yet. Keep pushing. Be better. Number two, his mission. We have one big job. Jesus said, I have sent them into the world, John 17, 18. There is a relationship between sent and being significant. The most disturbing, exciting, challenging, confusing, courageous word God will ever speak over your life. Go. How do I know that? (laughs) Well, uh, my wife and I are headed to the mission field, and I have no idea what to expect. You know how hard that is? And I've shared this before here. You know how difficult it is to hear God tell you go? And you look at him like, what? Why? What? Send somebody else. My, my sin nature, my, my flesh, I want to say no to God. But the greatest and most challenging, compelling, difficult word, but I believe the most rewarding word that God will ever say to you is go. And the one thing that reassures me and, and it settles my nerves every time I begin to question this job that I have in this life is this. Every character of significance in the Bible heard this command from God go. Abraham, go to the land I will show you. Joseph, go through the trials. Moses, go back to Pharaoh. Esther, go ask the king. Jonah, go preach to the Ninevites. Joshua, go and take the land. The minor prophets, go to your own people. The 12, go and preach. The 72, go and preach. The apostles, go and make disciples. Paul, go and reach the Gentiles. Stop expecting a complete life to come if you aren't willing to go. Stop expecting fullness of joy and all of these things in life to come if you aren't willing to go. Now, what does go look like? Are all of us called to go to the mission field and and reach third world countries? No. Are all of us called to go up on stage, grow an amazing beard, and speak at an accelerated manner about Jesus? No. Check this out. Go to your spouse and love them with the same love that Jesus loves you with. Go to your children and be an example of godliness. Pray for your children. Go. Go to your community and be a servant leader. When I think about the word go, I think of Isaiah 6, 8. It says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I believe God is asking that question today, even in 2018. Who will go for us? And represent us, represent the church, represent me. God, who will go for us? I love the response. It says, here I am, Lord, send me. Our one big job is to be open and willing to Jesus, even if you don't know the process or the outcome. I can can testify to you that I don't know the process of what missions looks like. I've never done it before. I can tell you that I have no idea what the outcome will be. I don't know if one person will get saved or if one million people will get saved. I have no idea what that looks like. I have no idea the process and I have no idea the outcome, but I do know that I am called to have an openness and a willingness to go when God calls me to go. And I believe in the same is true for you today. Do you have to have the best speaking ability, the best singing ability, the best articulate matter? No, absolutely not. All you are called to do is go and listen to God as you go and be willing to do what God calls you to do. Stop trying to be in control and go. I think too many of us have to learn to let go of all the things that we, all of our planning, all of our schedules, all of the things that we have going on in this life. Let go and go.
Amen? Jesus' goal, become fully enlisted. I want us as a church to have the attitude of I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all dedicated to this thing. I'm dedicated to my family. I'm going to be a father that's present. I'm going to be a a husband that's faithful. I'm going to be all in. I'm all in in my community group. I'm all in in church. I'm all in in this thing. This is, I'm fully enlisted. That's the attitude I believe God wants us to have. And as we do that, we are going and showing the world that God is God. Be engaged and fully on board. Go and be willing. Number three, one big smile. I want you to just look at somebody and smile. Just look. Go. Go ahead. Look at somebody else and smile. Even if you didn't brush your teeth this morning. You gave me day. Jesus said, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete advancement of his message and our acceptance. Complete unity. There is a relationship between the advancement of his message and our acceptance of each other. There was power in unity. Years ago, I had a, from my JV basketball coach, who's kind of an intense dude, um, Coach Dennis. Love Coach Dennis. He was an, a very intense individual. He always liked to talk about fighting for some reason. I don't know. I pray for him. But always, it seemed like every practice, he always preached to us about the hand and the power of the hand. And he would always talk about how individually when we are separated and there's space between us it's called a slap and he would talk about this all the time you know when you go to fight and he was just and we're like in practice like dude it's saturday morning relax right and he's you know when you go to fight somebody you step up to him and if you're if you're not unified and you slap somebody in the face you're only going to do minimal damage i'm like okay wow relax but if you come together like a fist and you punch them right in the face and this is the things that he talked about. I just, like, I love my high school years because this is all I, all I learned, right? <laughs> how to cuss, and then my JV, like, my JV coach taught me how to fight. I was like, awesome, cool. So, but he, he always talked about unity of the fist and the power that's behind it. And if you're separated and you're being an individual, you can only cause so much damage. But if you're united as a fist, you can come with all the power that you have, and I believe the church is the same way. I believe that there is power in unity when we come together, set aside our differences, and we realize that we are powerful as one unit, as the body of Christ. There is power behind us. We are a force to be reckoned with when we come together and we are unified. There is power in unity. But there are are enemies, enemies of unity. First one being my preference or my style. You say, I can't can't have... uh, I can't be happy unless I I push others aside because it's all about my preference. I do what I want, and I get frustrated if you don't do things the way I do things. And I look at somebody the way they worship. You don't worship the way I worship, so I'm going to push you away. That's my preference. That's who I am. And I'm going to be me. And what preference does is it produces irritation within the body. If you are always living based on your preference it will always produce irritation. The second thing is my popularity or my status. I can't have status unless I push others down. Have you ever seen crabs in a bucket? You ever seen crabs in a bucket? The ones on bottom are always trying to pull the ones on top down, and the ones on top are always stepping on the ones on bottom. But if you notice, at the end of the day, they're always in the bucket, and none of them get anywhere (laughs) because they're not working together and they're not helping each other. That's 
popularity in the church. Stop it. <laughs> Number three, my privacy or my space. I, I, I can't have peace unless I push other people out. And what privacy does is it produce, produces isolation. And I, I don't think we realize this or talk about this enough in the church. Isolation is actually a military tactic that is used to separate and divide forces. And once you become isolated, that's when the enemy comes in and they are, it, you're, you're more easily picked off and killed. And what isolation does is it produces spiritual death. And so if you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm, I just want to be by myself. I don't want community with other people. I don't want to be unified. I'm just doing my own thing. That's how you spiritually die. Hear this as a warning today. If you're isolating yourself from the kingdom, from the body of Christ, that is when the enemy can come in and pick you off. Isolation. My perfectionism, number four, it's the, the covering of your shame. I try to be perfect so that nobody can see my imperfections. You ever met somebody like that? I'm always perfect because so, I don't want you to see my imperfections. What does that even mean? That doesn't even make sense. So I can't survive unless I keep pushing myself to be better and to be perfect all the time. But what perfection produces is insecurity and it kills peace. If you're always trying to do it on your own and you're always trying to be the best and you're always trying to be perfect, what that does is ultimately make you insecure about who you are. And it kills the peace that is inside of you. There are two radical implications of when Jesus said, I in them and you in me. One, we are created one in significance. All of us have a diverse background. We all come from different places. We all look different, all of that. But we are one in significance and our value is identical. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. If you're not walking with the Lord, you are, we are all identical in value. We cause disunity when we see others as less significant or valuable within the kingdom. You getting this? Okay. And number two, we are called to be one in sacrifice. Our gifts are diverse, but our purpose is identical. Unity is the product of sacrifice. I love that. Unity is the product of sacrifice, what Jesus did on the cross. When we sacrifice for others, we introduce humility, affection, and gratitude, all powerful forces for unity. Jesus' goal is for us to become fully unified. Jesus prayed that we would be brought to complete unity, and I'll end with this. I'm going to invite Lauren up. There is a lot of chaos in the world. There is a lot of talk in the world. There is a lot of anxiety and fear and all of these different things. I'll just name a few. Gun violence, racial tension, terrorism, teen suicide, school shooting, sexual confusion, cultural uh, division, global warming, election collusion, hashtag me too, refugees, broken families, immigration debates, national debt, student debt, spiritual debt, all of these different things that we have going on. I could go on and on and on and on and talk about all of the things in the world that are going on. But the last thing the world needs is a divided church. Hear me today. The very last thing the world needs is a church that is not united and we are divided, trying to do our own thing, trying to make it on our own. We're separated from each other based on race or class or whatever it is. We need to become united in the blood of Jesus. Amen? See, the left can tell you all about what is wrong with the right. The right can tell you all about what's wrong with the left. But can the church, for crying out loud, come together and be the answer to a lost, hurting 
and broken world. The last thing we need is division in the church. We are still the best hope for this world, believe it or not. Can I say that today? We are the best hope for this world. We have the answer. His name is Jesus. We are the best hope for this world, and I don't care what happens outside these walls. I don't care what happens or what it looks like. We are still the best hope for this world. But first, we must live it in here before they listen out there. And we got to stop all of this little bickering and all the things that we, we like to do in church because we think that all of our little, our little problems are important in the moment. What color should we paint the walls? I don't like the youth pastor. He's a Lakers fan. All of these different things, right? <laughs> she said this, and why did the worship team play that song? And oh my gosh, blah, 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 blah. And we bicker and we argue and all of this stuff. All, it may seem like little issues, but ultimately it's causing division between us. We're not united when we are bickering about these small little things. Those are minor issues. The world needs us and we need each other. Did you hear that? The world needs us. The world needs you. And I need you. You need me. We're here for each other to lift each other up. Let them see unity. Can I ask you just to stand right where you're at? I want to do something. It's a little bit different. Can we get some uh, background? The keys. Thank you, sir. Sets the mood. (laughs) How do you live a complete life, a full life? You understand that we have one big truth. We submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture. We submit ourselves to the authority of God's Word. There is one big truth, and that is the Word of God. And we follow the Word of God no matter what, no matter what it looks like outside. We have one big job. We are called to go. We are called to go and make disciples. We are called to go and be used by God, no matter what that looks like. Let God use you in your family. Let God use you in the church. Let God use you in your workplace, in your school. If God is calling you to the ends of the earth, go. I walked in today, there was a sign, a literal three-dimensional sign on the counter outside. It says, go. I had no idea. Sign up, go to Zimbabwe. That's all. Just go. Don't ask questions. Just go. And understand that we are one big family called to bring unity and reconciliation to the world. This is what I want us to do. I want us to cross the aisles and I want everybody to just hold hands. Whatever, I don't care if you know them or not, you have the same father, so you have the same DNA. We're all the same family. We're united under the blood of Jesus. And it's time we start acting like one big family. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. But we have a perfect father who can fix all of our issues. I'm believing right now that there is unity, even in this house, but not just here. We're not, it's not a black church, a white church, yellow, brown, purple, whatever color church you think the church is, it's the church. We are united under the blood of Jesus. Whatever culture you come from, we are united under the blood of of Jesus. Whatever you look like, we are united under the blood of Jesus and it is time for us. And this is the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen. Coming together, all of us. Look around. Go ahead. Look around. Everybody's just holding hands. It doesn't matter what problems you have. Nobody's thinking about their problems because we're unified. We're connected. See how beautiful that is? See how easy that is? Don't let the enemy come in and destroy your unity in your family, in your church. Don't let that happen. So what I want you to do, I want you to just lift the hand of somebody next. You lift it up in the air. 
It's an exercise today. (laughs) Just close your eyes, and I want to pray for you right there. Father, I thank you so much, God, that you are calling us to live a complete life, a full life. Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that unites us together. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in our lives and that you would tear apart all the disunity, all the discord, all of that stuff, God, and that you would bring us together, bring our families together, bring our churches together. No matter what they look like, Father, I pray that we would be unified so that the world can know, Jesus, that you died and you love them. We have the answer. And it's found in you, Jesus. So God, I pray right now that you would bless this house, that you would unify this house, that you would allow us to walk in the fullness of joy like you want us to, God. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Bless us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Go ahead and high five somebody next to you.